five, four, three, two, fun. Welcome to another episode of the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, your premier source for everything to do with the Vancouver Titans. I am Chris at Lightforce, getting over a serious case of the man cold, joined by Omni and Sam. That's at Omni Strife and at another Sam Chan on the Twitters, if you're looking to follow them. Uh, welcome, gentlemen. I haven't seen you in a hot minute. Yeah. Uh, hi, by the way. I'm Omni Strife, and I got to play alongside an Overwatch pro player and did not lose the game. I was curious how long it would take you to bring that up. <laughs> Did I break a record? It was actually quicker than I'd expected. I thought you would like save it for a little bit later in the episode. But if you happen to tune into our, our bonus episode where we get to sit down with uh, Alfred Devera and, and Paggi on this past weekend. And again, you haven't, it's, it's, it should be accessible. It's a bonus episode. It's been published uh, uh, on Monday. You guys were sort of talking about it you know, vaguely as you were sort of spitballing and trying to pass the time, I kind of referred to it when I was talking to Alfred, but, but Omni, I will, I'll give you the honors. What is it about you winning with an Overwatch League pro that Sam and I should be punished for? Punished for? No, I think, I I think just mentioning the fact is quite enough. I mean, here we were, me and Lena on a team with uh, Haxel. Uh, I got first pick, by the way, in that game. So uh, things went well. We spawn camped the enemy team. Um, and, and it went well. The game was uh, pretty GG easy at that point. How, how did your game uh, go? Well, unlike you, I got picked first. So <laughs> it's a perfect symmetry. There's some symmetry there. Well, I mean, we talked about it in the bonus episode. You know, Sam in, in our roll queue got tank. I got support at that point in time. We should have just up and like swapped our chairs. Right. And we didn't <laughs> the, the struggle I had. So I don't know who else was playing with us that was on support, but they picked Moira. We were on uh, Junker town. There are, when it comes to support heroes, um, my order of preference to play is Moira, then Anna, um, Lucio Baptiste. Like I sort of go down in, 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 in skew, but like, I picked Anna. That's my right. second sort of second best support. Right. But what I didn't take into consideration, I said, I simply sat down at that computer, which I have absolutely no understanding of, didn't adjust any settings. Right. And in what would be at home, just a quick flick of the wrist as I hit the sleep, I was a quick flick of the wrist, hit and sleep and firing that dart, like <laughs> three, the same, like the same distance to the right of where my target would be. Like, I don't know how long you and Lena were laughing at me (laughs) or if you could stop laughing and rolling around on the floor. But if there was one thing that was consistent is every one of my sleep darts was the exact distance to the right of where I wanted to go. Yeah. To be be frank, uh, we got in there early and I got to sit uh, pretty much the first uh, person uh, next to, to a computer. And and they got like those um, squeaky clean overwatch accounts, uh, with the default settings. So I, I, I took, took it upon myself to go in uh, the monitors, which were really, really nice. Uh, they were set to 60 uh, Hertz. So I put them up on 240 and, and then, you know, lowered the sensitivity. So I had the advantage there, but you, you're going up and playing with a, with a Titans player on, on your team. You, you don't want to screw up. You, like You like, know, what's uh, funny is 
<clears throat> Sorry, just coughed right into the mic there. That's podcast <laughs> number one. What's funny is is I was there for for obviously I was there for Light Forces game. I was sitting beside him, but I was also there for your game, Omni. And you were sitting in the same chair as Chris. <laughs> was there true, true. play involved? Oh my goodness! Mm, but that wait. was way after I was Are, playing there. So you're suggesting that Omni you know, throw a wrench into my game uh, just to yeah, bring exactly. this up. In the a episode? little, little left quick, right click. Bind yeah. There. I installed a mm, yeah. uh, windows mm-hmm. seven on your machine. I've, uh, <laughs> you know, installed like four, uh, toolbars on the internet browser on that computer just to, you know, bog it so, down with so, spyware. So what's funny is like Omni and Len and I had chatted about the game and then they'd talking about how much they enjoyed playing with Haxel, how, well, in your words, it was quite easy match. I think part of that was new accounts and part of that was, well, you're playing with one of the best players in the world. Oh, it's pretty um, good. Yeah. So, so <laughs> I really took that into effect thinking like, I'm just going to hang out, have a good time. <laughs> and, and, um, you saw me setting my settings, but I was really just changing them back to default. Mm. So, so they weren't like anything special or anything. I just wanted to make sure I knew the right buttons. Cause I, as you guys know, um, and to my defense, I suck at this game. Um, but like I picked Reinhardt as my first pick, and I I never play Reinhardt. <laughs> so so hey. I really took this like not seriously at all, thinking that you know Stitch would carry us, and to some degree he did. But I think we also had to show up. And by the time I realized we needed to start playing for real, it was way too late. Yeah, it, it, the other struggle too. I think Stitch was we think damage because we had a tracer and. I'll be the first to admit, if you're a Tracer or you're a Genji, I'm not going to be able to heal you as Anna. I just can't. <laughs> I can't adjust that quick to those, you know, moving targets. Well, you can so, build up your ult and heal him with a nano. So, ho- yeah, ho- <laughs> hopefully uh, our Moira was was given Stitch the, the love. But I, I was uh, Reinhardt's pocket healer. The other struggle, though, is that... <laughs> Who was uh, league... played by uh, your friend there, uh, <laughs> Sam Chan. Sam. But the other struggle was that the team that we were playing against must have, like, they were all focusing on on the support line. Like, I, I we're talking about, like, day-old accounts, not even. And yet the people that we were up against, they knew, oh, go for the Anna, go for the Moira, drop those two. Like they were actually making smart picks. So I don't know if we ran up against an account full of Smurfs because I apologize if you happen to play anyone else that showed up as Titans 1 through 6 because those accounts, those day-old accounts, were not day-old accounts, especially if you got the one that happened to be the uh, the Titans player, which mm-hmm. would have been like what, Titans Titans 5? Yeah. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, enough about the fact that uh, Omni, you know, went Chad and Sam and I did not. We're going to talk about an actual episode, a regular episode full of okay, stuff. Okay, okay. The Vancouver Titans back in action this weekend. It has been a long wait since that sad grand final. So we're going to give you a preview of what to expect this weekend. There's a few other things happening in the world of the Vancouver Titans that we'll talk about too. We've got a special guest joining us this episode. We previewed it on uh, on Twitter, but uh, Lauren, who you might know as Daybok OWL on Twitter, she is a writer for the Game House covering the Soul Dynasty. We've got her joining us. Give her give us some thoughts on the additions of Jay Hong and Fisher to the Vancouver Titans, an outside look at how the Titans will perform, and a few other things about the league. And then in the fray, uh, we're going to give you your Games of Interest preview for the weekend in New York as well as in Dallas. Uh, We've got some news that broke 
because as podcast lore dictates, it all breaks the day after we release. So we're going to cover that and everything else that we can squeeze into an action-packed episode. So without further ado, let's go straight to the payload. Moving the payload. Join me. In the show notes, I had said, hey, let's talk about a review of the Game and Greet. Uh, Sam and I, I think, had a really good time up until Omni went and sabotaged me, as we just learned. This is this is something I cannot stand for. But, you know, realistically, if you have not listened to our bonus episode where we sat down with Alfred and Pajon, please do so. We learned quite a bit, uh, not only about sort of the, the temperament of the team, the expectations of Fisher and Jaehong. Uh, I thought Pajon was actually uh, at times guarded, but in other instances quite forthcoming. So I think it was actually a really good uh, conversation that the two of you had had with him. And again, thank you to Michael at Sungwin Jim to who did the translation for us. But looking at the event overall, I liked it. Like I really liked how relaxed it was. The, yeah. Sam, you'd commented the players seemed to be relaxed. Uh, the fact that, I mean, it was free and it was accessible. I think people had a really good time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the, the crowd was the right amount too. Like I think, it it was it was definitely packed in there. I'd probably say over a hundred people, but I think it was packed in a sense that if you wanted, like, if you're a big Jayhawk fan, you're a big Twilight fan, like, if you wanted their autograph, if you wanted a photo with them, there was ample time to do so. And I think that's quite rare when when you know you're meeting a team. Usually, it's like thirty minutes of questions, and then we got to get out of here. Um, but but there was plenty of time for for everybody to mingle. Um, I know I chatted with a lot of people. The the coaches were walking around, just hanging out with people, having casual conversations. we were, you know, uh, chopping it up with and Dante and a lot of the folks. So, so I I think this is one of their best events yet. And I think part of it was um, the nice balance between having a central focus, which was was you know gaming with a pro, but then just having it relaxed. Other than that, and that people could just do what they needed to do. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's been now a year that we've known these guys and it's not their first time uh, over at the Rogers uh, Arena. And and the event felt more, I don't know, homey. There was a lot of familiarity mm-hmm. in there. We knew the majority of the, you know, the fans that we get to see. We know the staff by now. Uh, we know uh, the players. So force of nature is a thing, right? It feels more like a family now. So that, that kind of resonated uh, with me as well. You know what? I think that's that's a good point. It was, it did feel like family. Everyone sort of knew everyone. Um, Sam, you, you mentioned Andante. I mean, he came up and, and chatted with all of us. And we were, we, you know, it was like we had just stopped chatting with him when we did the interview, you know, last summer. So mm-hmm. it it was much more relaxed. And I actually feel that it bodes well to what we expect from the Vancouver Titans this season. You know, last year they're, it was new and there was sort of this lack of expectation or maybe too high expectations. Whereas now it seems to be a much, I mean, I hate to say it better run organization, but I mean, Hey, year of experience, you hope to learn things. And I think mm-hmm. they have. So I, I do hope that we see more of these events. I know Alfred had mentioned there's going to be, he thought about five watch parties over the course of the season. Uh, the first ones this weekend, we'll talk about it shortly, but I hope that they have other events beyond just sort of the watch party experience because the watch parties are great, but having this ability to sort of interact with the team and, and get to, you know, play with the pros and, you know, even interact as a community, you know, only you had said the force of nature is strong. I feel mm-hmm. it bodes well for the team, the community, but ultimately it works really well for us fans. 
Yeah, and big shout out to to the team, Alfred, uh, Jacob, Tristan, Rob. They they all did well. We mm-hmm. give, we give and them I, a lot of crap a lot, so so we got to give kudos when it's due. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? I, I thank you for 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 saying that because they were there, they were present, they were themselves interacting with people. Like it truly felt that that investment that that has been made you know, the, the equity of, of, of time and effort and our, you know, support is now being rewarded. And I mean, I joke about my Ted talk. If there was one thing that I had said in that, that, you know, entire tilt was that I simply want to see a return on my investment. And I think we're really starting to see that. And that's a credit to the people. Let's talk a little bit about what we're going to see this weekend. Your Vancouver Titans are back in action, kicking off the Overwatch League 2020 season, now on YouTube Gaming. Don't get confused about this Twitch stuff that no longer exists. But on Saturday, the Vancouver Titans will be in Dallas, facing off against the LA Gladiators, which Omni is known as... Sadiators. Sadiators. So that match kicks off at 2 p.m. Pacific on a Saturday, and then the following day... 2 p.m. on Sunday, again down in Dallas, the uh, Vancouver Titans will be facing the other team from Los Angeles, the L.A. Valiant, who currently live in a pineapple under the sea. <laughs> that was an amazing video. Props to them. Oh, okay. So, so, so what? You, you Amazing and video. Like that, that's got to be a troll, right? Like that, I, okay, if you have, first of all, li- the listeners, if you have not seen the roster announcement video from the L.A. Valiant, I described it, I think it was an RSP cord, or maybe it was in Titans cord, but I had said there's teams with a budget, there's teams on a budget, and then there's the LA value. I know, it, to me, it's amazing. It's kind of approaching those weird uh, uh, Lynchian levels of when something looks bad and you're like, oh, isn't it great? So, well, and then they went out and tweeted out like, "Oh, if you thought that this roster video looked familiar, hey, look, here's where it was." Like, seriously, you think there's people that don't understand that you just ripped off SpongeBob SquarePants with the value version? Like, yeah. Anyhow, sorry, we're not here to talk about that in Overwatch. I actually haven't watched that video yet, as of this recording, and I don't think I will be clicking on it. I was going to say, do yourself a favor, don't. You'll never get that time back. Nothing, no question. Will, nothing will beat their uh, the office segment that they uh, had the last year. I think it was. Yeah, see, that's what happens when you are a team with a budget who turns into a <laughs> team on a budget. But let's look at the Vancouver Titans' first match. This will be against the the Los Angeles Gladiators. Yeah. Um, I would love to give you sort of the map my map uh, introduction, uh, but it doesn't appear that the uh, Overwatch League has determined that that is necessary for us to know in advance. I hope the teams will figure out what maps are going to be playing, or maybe that's a, a you know trick that'll be well, you know added at a later date well, where they'll, they'll, fans get to choose the map. I don't know. They'll remove certain maps, but they won't allow the same map to be played twice, and they'll be let you know a week before. <laughs> yes, based on the data and uh, chosen by RNG. Um, we'll talk a little bit about Hero Pools in a moment, which was the other big news that broke uh, after our episode last week, but. Uh, Gladiators Titans. The Gladiators are arguably a decent team this year-ish, but do we see any pathway for them to beat the Vancouver Titans? Uh, it's definitely the harder uh, between the two. I mean, 
Gladiators, they went from a DPS-centered team to a tank-centered team. And it can't be a better, like, can't be a better proving ground for Fisher and for the rest of the team to really set the tone going forward. I'm looking forward to see how they match up against uh, OG and and Space, who are by no means uh, slackers on on their uh, positions, right? So that could be the challenge to, that we face there. Um, yeah. Also, you have Big Goose and, and Chaz are going to... Uh, uh, play well you know they're going to show up and just looking forward to that matchup we don't know uh what's going to be played really that much like there are rumors f- flying around will be ryan diva some maps might be we don't know about the maps but <laughs> assuming uh we finally get them we might see some diversity going into season three i actually don't think it'll be much of a challenge at all i think we take care of business okay that's <laughs> I didn't claim it's going to be too much of a challenge, but let's say between the Valiant and the Gladiators, I think the mm. Gladiators are a tougher I, well, team. To- definitively, the Gladiators <laughs> should be the the better of the two matches mm. or put up the, the better fight. Right. I, I was watching um, a, a couple sort of previews and I read a couple posts. There are some who feel that, and again, this goes to the whole Vancouver Titans chemistry has completely gone to, to pot that uh, Fisher's going to blow up this team and Jay Hong is washed up and oh my God, will be the Vancouver Titans that uh, the gladiators will win three, two. I, I could see the Vancouver Titans winning three, two. I'm actually going to say they'll win three, one, but the only reason I see it being three, two, it's kind of like that new pair of shoes you got to put on. Like they fit, Mm -hmm. but those first few times you walk in them, there is a little bit of pain involved. I mean, they get you between point A to point B and you got to break them in and you know, they'll be great shoes to wear, but that, that first couple of times <clears throat> there's a little bit of pain involved. That's why I say it could see it being three, two Titans, but I am saying three, one. I'm going three, one, two. Give me the four. Ooh, I don't think they'll, they'll have four O's. It's going to go. Do they have four? It, it, it'll, no. it'll be three. Oh, three. Oh, yeah, be, be, and that, that's smart. I mean, the Overwatch League is realizing that you had the Vancouver Titans Rialtoing the heck out of, you know, map four throughout the <laughs> Give season. Give me the 3-0. <laughs> you know what? But uh, the Valen, we're going to beat them 4-0. <laughs> Harsh. Okay, well, let, let, let's talk about the Valiant. The, do, do the Los Angeles Valiant in any way, shape, or form have a chance against the Vancouver Titans? Uh, I want to reach at some, you know, weird scenarios, but I, I honestly can't. I don't see DPS tank or, or support where they might stand a chance. And uh, they, where did they finish on our power rankings? Like 19, barely, well, d- barely not finishing last. It was a coin flip between 19, 20. It's going to be a hell of a start if we lose to the Valiant, but I'm, I'm going 3-0 as well. I, I don't see how. We might lose this one. Double three zero. Yeah, I can't. I can't disagree with the two of you there. It's again, strange things have occurred, but I don't see the valiant as having a, a, a hope. This team went from like a premier organization to one that is like, yeah. like value bin level do you remember uh what was their uh position when they finished season one 
No. I, 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 off the top of my head, I don't know. Like I'd have seventh to go and look or something? It, up. it was second place. <laughs> I don't remember this at all. I'm oh, apologies go. to Valiant supporters. So the, to, the, to your point, Light Force. The, and, uh, you know, you've said apologies to the Valiant supporters. Some of their diehard supporters are like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm getting off of this bandwagon before the fire, you know, burns us all. Like it, it is a weird place. Like it, it and it's hard to explain. Like it, they just decided, yeah, we're just going to go and, you know, tighten that belt and Hey, them's the breaks, right? I don't know. Yeah. So I have to ask now that the hero pools have been announced and as a reminder for those who have yet to hear the news, the Overwatch League is introducing as of March a hero pool where one tank, two damage and one support will be not banned but locked out because apparently those are two different two different things. Does that change our approach to our our power rankings as it applies to the Vancouver Titans? I mean, we we were high on the Titans and now they've gotten a wrinkle where teams with I think more flexibility and more bench depth among hero pools are then rewarded uh, I kind of disagree with that take I mean it does make sense on the surface if you look at it in a completely flat scenario oh we're going to play a, more characters then obviously it means we're going to have to have more uh, players. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm using that uh, old voice that I've retired after the <laughs> season two uh, London Spitfire deba- debacle. But who also retired. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, yeah. But I don't think that is exactly the point. At the end of the day, you are going to play six heroes. And you want to put up your best six, uh, um, um, you know, players. And if you look at a team like um, San Francisco Shock, then yeah, you do have some some advantage there. But if you're t- telling me that a team like, I don't know, who else has like 12 uh, players, like 12 players on 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 uh, Tor- uh, Sh- Shanghai Dra- uh, Dragons, you are not going to switch Izayaki for, for Luffy or something like that just to... to s- you know, feel that type of flexibility. So unless you have like a one trick on your team, and we do have some cases of that, I don't see like the amount of players being an issue just from the perspective of of a hero pool. Obviously, it is an issue when you're talking about travel and health, but I don't see it, at least for the, for the Titans, right? We do have a lot of flexibility within the limited roster that we, we now possess. Uh, so uh, I think it will actually uh, play down to uh, the mechanics and the fundamentals of the players and more towards the existing, pre-existing synergies that teams possess more than... Uh, to uh, the depth of your roster. So maybe I'm just being like, maybe this is all wishful thinking, but that's at least my opinion on the matter. Mm. Yeah, I think I'm really excited to see how So Minsu and Stitch have improved over the, mm. the summer. Like I, I think last year when we were sitting around talking about, talking about predictions, I was much more cautious but I just, you know, in the time we've spent with a team in the time that we hear about their scrims and there's rumors and I don't really want to get into rumors, but, but it seems like the Titans are doing quite well. It seems yeah. like they're, they're ready to go with a point to prove. I don't think they're going to three Oh every game, 
but I yeah. just think that they're going to put their best foot forward and, and just based on skill alone, I think that's going to carry them through with the added year of experience of being an owl. But yeah. like, like on, on, on our side, like we've seen stitch play some Ash with us. Um, so, so, you know, we helped him practice a little bit, having to carry <laughs> us plebs. Um, so, so maybe he'll pop out an Ash who knows. I Anything definitely, it definitely to, to your point, the only place where I'm kind of, uh, uh, worried is the second position of DPS next to Hoxall can, cause Hoxall can play anything really. And, and, and it's right. Like you said, Salmon, Sue and Stitch, uh, we'll see how they play into, uh, the available hero pools. So my take it has more to do with sort of what you had mentioned at the the beginning there, Omni, that when it comes down to pure skill of a player, short of it being a Doomfist meta where Chipsa <laughs> might have a shot, you would you always choose the best pro you got on the bench. It, it has nothing to do with, uh, this person is superior in this particular role and therefore we're going to sit them. I, I, I'm not to suggest that they don't manipulate that to some respect, like, you know, I'll use Bumper as an example. If you had a better Orisa available to you and Orisa needs to be in play, you're probably not going to put Bumper into Orisa. Right. Right. And I mean, we look at the Vancouver Titans with Fisher. I mean, well, you got Fisher, but is there going to be an instance where, you know, Pajon and, and Yangwon and, and Dante make the decision that, oh, we're going to go with like Jaehong is off tank and have Janu as main tank. I mean, that'd be kind of crazy, but. You know, stranger things have occurred, and Jay Hong has experience in the off tank role. So, I'm I'm not too concerned about the hero pools. I think the area that concerns me the most is how they're going to be using them. Yeah. Like the hero pool, as I explained, takes four heroes out of the mix every week. Mm-hmm. The problem is that it's going to be based on the previous week's play, which means if everyone's choosing Reinhardt, Reinhardt's going to have the greatest amount of playtime and therefore the greatest likelihood of being banned the subsequent week. But they say it's going to be based on sort of a randomly chosen hero based on data. So is that like a lottery pick? Like, okay, Reinhardt has, you know, 57 balls in the lottery machine and Sigma has one yet Sigma is the lucky one that comes out. Like I, it it seems real odd. Um, On top of that, no hero will be banned two weeks in a row. But then you have the Vancouver Titans who proceed to play and then have a two-week bye. So, like, they can't even really practice on the the hero pool for their next match because they don't know what it is. Yeah, they'll just be notified the year uh, the week before they play. But, like, what do you do to practice? Oh, I'll just practice this hero, practice it. Like, in, in my mind, that's the struggle. It's that it's not so much the use of the hero pool. It's the fact that they're going to rotate them in, you know, week over week over week. I think at minimum it needed to be at least two weeks. And I think in a perfect world, they might have done it to, you know, on a monthly basis. Yeah. But that then seems too long. So I, I won't say I know the answer. Just week over week over week is tough, especially with the way the, the league is structured this season. Yeah, I think I think it does run like before that when we were talking about specific hero bands as opposed to, you know, what we ultimately end up with with the hero pool. Like I think it could be one more layer of meta where where each player does have at least two heroes they can go to. Um, but it makes it much harder to strategize as a team. But like I think to to its credit, I think a lot of more natural skilled players will 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 liken this advantage. Players who can just pop off regardless of whoever they're playing. So I'm looking at yeah. the profits, I'm looking at Fletas, I'm looking at Haxel. It just happens all of them are DPS, but but you get my drift. Or um, Fisher. Fisher is Fisher, a great example. Exactly. 
Exactly. So it, it's, it, I think, I think that's, what's interesting about it is, is you get to see a lot more natural skill versus right. set up competitions. I think we need to just, and not only us as fans, but, but especially the coaches need to approach coaching or preparation uh, in a different way. This is a, an entirely different beast. Uh, when we did all the arguments, when, when uh, the stuff went down in, in <laughs> Discord, uh, I've shared a tweet by Neptuno where he mentioned how he really likes this little change and he thinks that all the strategies that we've seen in the last couple of years, all those uh, preparations, they weren't really what Overwatch was about. It was about basically breaking the game, finding the exploits, finding what mm -hmm. was played best, and then just, you know, perfecting the timings, counting, uh, seeing those patterns. And now it, it is more of a free-flowing game where your skill, your aim, your communication with your teammates, your ability to adapt on the fly will be tested more. And that's kind of like what I'm more excited uh, to see definitely as a you know, a spectator of the sport because this is all about entertainment at the end of the day. And also, I think the Titans will uh, be uh, re quite, will perform well in this uh, environment. Yeah. We'll talk more about this um, in, in greater detail and sort of some of the reasoning behind right. the introduction of Hero Pools in the fray. But as we sort of look to wrap up the payload here and talking about the Vancouver Titans, the uh, other item that I guess I should have led with is the fact there is a watch party this Saturday at the Sports Bar Live at Rogers Arena. Uh, it's the same location Titans watch parties have been all last season. It was the place of the game and greet this past weekend. But no, this weekend that watch party will be there and... Uh, Team RSP, as always, will be in the house in hopefully our, our usual location, though we're still sorting out the, the finer details. So come join us. Uh, watch the Vancouver Titans take on the LA Gladiators. That event is free. And unlike last year's events where you might get in for free, but then they had different tiers of guaranteed access, this one is free. So, you know, line up, make sure you get in uh, and uh, have yourselves a good time. The last bit of news that trickled out through social media uh, was where the Vancouver Titans have sort of set up shop. Now, the source was Jay Janauer. And if you're like, well, who is Jay Janauer? He is actually a sports anchor for a local television station here in, in Vancouver. And he happened to share two, what one might think, innocuous tweets um, with video of the Vancouver Titans uh working with Adamas Esports out at the Fortius Center here in Burnaby, Burnaby being a community just outside of Vancouver proper. I decided that, well, hey, if Jay Janauer is sharing this video, I think the Force of Nature would love to see more about this. And uh, I obviously retweet it from RSP. And shortly after that, the Vancouver Titans uh, themselves retweeted one of Jay's videos. Now, no official news has come out. No announcement has come out. But if we take what Alfred had shared in, you know, that previous episode where he talked about, you know, we're doing things that we think will be eye-opening, partnering with Adonis Esports at the Fortius Center is definitely one way to go about that. Now, I don't know if that's also where the team is hanging their hat. Like we talk about the concept of team houses, but, uh, you know, based on, on, on what I know and what others have shared is that there are you know, apartments or, 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 or dorms or whatever it might be at the Fortis Center. But that, that is, for those that don't know, like top of the line 
sports focused. Like we're talking the science of sports. Some big time professional players around the world come to Burnaby to see the staff, to train, to heal, uh, to rehab, uh, to become better at their craft. So the fact that the Vancouver Titans are likely going to be working with them is really big news. I don't know if either of you know much about Adamus or, or Fortius. Um, I mean, Fortius, like they, they started really, it's, it's another basketball story. Yes, we do lots of basketball stories. Um, <laughs> one of the more known things was Steve Nash, you know, your boy from the Phoenix Suns, um, also, you know, good Victoria kid, um, is he has a uh, perennial back problems. So one of, one of his investments is actually in Fortius so that he could have state of the art, um, facilities to, to rehab his back. And that was one of the reasons that he was able to play as long as he did because someone with his type of injury, and I don't have the medical stack in front of me, um, with his type of injury shouldn't have been playing in his thirties. Like he should be like not doing normal stuff, um, let alone playing basketball at the highest level. So, so that is the kind of the base of where Fortius came from. Um, and, and in terms of, um, I can't even, is Adam is Adamus. I had never pronounced their names, right? I mean, they've been around for, for about a year, year and a half. So they've been a welcome addition in terms of, of supporting the, the esports scene. And they really kind of take a different approach, um, a much more wholesome approach, not just about, um, gameplay. Of course, I think having state of the art equipment such as computers pcs that kind of stuff is is important but but well rounding it off into wellness and and health as well like what kind of effect does sitting on a computer for nine hours a day do to you as as a person beyond your your time as a pro so i think this is start of some of the hints of the stuff that that alfred was talking about uh not this episode but the previous episode when you interviewed Mm -hmm. chris where he's talking about that kind of focus on 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 the attention of players, I think, should be should be applauded because it means that they're really caring about the players beyond their. I don't know. It could be two seasons, three yeah. seasons, four seasons that they're here with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we uh, like to remain on that positive uh, notion about the staff of the Titans and how they run things. We often uh, complained about how. Uh, it, it sucks to share staff or resources with uh, an organization like the Canucks. So the focus is not uh, always 100% on the Titans. But on another side, you you get stuff like that where traditional sport steps in and helps your organization in the Titans, where traditional sports is miles ahead of esports, where uh, you, you, you cannot even dream about the facilities and the well-being, both uh, mental and health uh, uh, support that uh, pros would get in a league like the NHL. Suddenly, uh, Titans get access to that. So that's quite mm-hmm. exciting, I think. And, and on that note, just for those that don't know, the Vancouver Canucks, uh, the hockey team, they have like nutritionists on staff, sports therapists on staff. They have facilities for the hockey team. Right. I would imagine the the lacrosse franchise probably gains access to some of that as well, the Vancouver Warriors. But what they've done here with the Vancouver Titans is they've brought in a partner who also excels in these areas. And with as you had said, Sam, with the Domus Esports and that what they're focusing on, these are some some things that, quite frankly, I can't say I've heard too much of, specifically for the Overwatch League, but just in esports. Like this is looking at the big picture beyond their ability to play their game at the top of their level. So any any advantage that that these players get, 
is a good one. I mean, right. we've been we heard on uh, the bonus episode where Alfred was talking about uh, you know playing basketball and how they're you know like uh, Minsu's hitting the gym and how the these guys are really focusing on fitness. How they got off the plane and yet there they are, you know, in the gym. The Vancouver Titans have been sharing you know images on social of them doing fitness. Like it, we're talking like holistic thinking here beyond, you know, how fast is the hand-eye uh, coordination and your ability to hit a cue? Like, I, I think they they are being really smart about this. And I, I, I do look forward to not only learn more, but hopefully uh, we'll be able to, to get a, a better uh, level of insight. So we in turn can, can share that with all of you here on the podcast. For sure. So, with all that said about the Vancouver Titans, what we'll do is we'll take a quick break. We'll t- bring Lauren, our special guest, uh, into the podcast and throw it over to her. Bring it on! I live for this! Joining us now for a special segment, we had introduced that in our bonus episode. We're going to have a special guest joining us. If you follow us on Twitter, though, you already know who it is. We have Lauren, who you know on Twitter as Daybok OWL. She is a writer for the Soul Dynasty at the Game House. Welcome to the Ready Set Pwn podcast, Lauren. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. We're, we're equally excited that you you joined us. I mean, first and foremost, uh, you by joining our podcast have made us like a hundred percent better. Like <laughs> Sam, Omni, and I are like equal, maybe 30% contributors. You just double that on your own. I mean, and- I'm excited just to talk about Jayhong and Fissure. <laughs> awesome. That was the hook getting you here. <laughs> <laughs> well, it worked. But that is correct. We are going to talk about uh, Jayhong as well as Fisher joining the Vancouver Titans. We've talked a little bit about uh, some expectations earlier in the episode, but now we have a professional, unbiased opinion. Truly unbiased. <laughs> of because course, always unbiased. No reason that you'll be coming to Vancouver because Jayhong happens to to be here. Yeah, I Not thought all of us were. All. Yeah, I thought we were all unbiased here. <laughs> I'm very unbiased. <laughs> yeah. So why don't we actually kick things off and talk a little bit about uh, the Titans roster? And I, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, the Titans as a team aren't the, the focus of, of what you do at the game house. But, uh, you know, as an outsider sort of looking in, you can provide some sane sound of mind uh, that maybe <laughs> myself, Sam, and Omni can't. So straight off the bat, the Vancouver Titans are pessimistically being placed, you know, bottom of the top tier, middle of the pack. Without getting into it too deep, is that true? Do you do you look at the Titans from the outside and say, you know what, I think I could totally see them in the 7 to 12 range? I will have to say that I'm quite also kind of biased towards the Titans. I got into Overwatch with Apex over in Korea. So I've been following Runaway for quite a while. I don't see them that low. I still see them in like the top 7, top 8 mm-hmm. of the league. I think fans and people from the outside see these changes, especially with Bumper, and they expect that this is going to alter the team synergy so much because they've been together for such a long time. But Fissure stepping in, I'm not convinced that that's going to be a downfall or the fall from grace of the Vancouver Titans. 
I like how you condition that, though, that you might be a little bit biased. You're supposed to just run with it, like, no, I'm totally unbiased. Titans are awesome, number one. Here I was thinking, oh, she's one of us, and then she comes up with that top eight. I'm like, what? That's a bit low, isn't it? Yeah, but for real, like, uh, most of the people don't have them uh, finishing up second anymore, or first in the standings, at least for the regular season. I could see them being like a dark horse, though. Like, Mm. they never really had that underdog moment from the beginning. Everyone hyped them up as a main contender, and now it's their time to show. Only in the eyes of uh, Wolf of Villainy, (laughs) they were a true (laughs) uh, underdog. They were not OWL level. Let's just get it straight. The... The point that you raised sort of about the the transition from the world of Bumper to the world of Fisher. Um, you have followed Fisher probably better than than myself and I'd say Omni. Uh, Sam, we know, big Fisher fanboy here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but can, can you maybe give us some insight as to what we should expect from Fisher? Obviously, there are the stories that they've been told. I mean, this is a, a player that's now in his fourth professional team and three professional seasons, but as someone who's, you know, followed his journey, what should we expect to, to see from him as main tank? I don't view Fisher that differently than bumper, which I might be in the minority personality mm-hmm. wise. He is out there, maybe not in the positive light that Bumper was, that everyone loved him with his big smile, kind of playing to the crowd. And Fisher's almost the foil of him, the opposite. You know, Overwatch Week has created this narrative that he is a villain, a bad guy kind of in the league, the ones who's sass, he's easy to point at because he's joined four teams in this amount of time. But I think their play style, Bumper and Fissure's play style are very similar. That aggressive style that will fit in with Stitch, Hoxal, Janu, Somensu. A lot of resources will have to go to him. He kind of played that way back in Kongdu. Sam, did you watch any of that Apex very vaguely. It's it's a blur to me. If it wasn't a sleep dart, then I wasn't watching. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's always had He's all he's always had he's had a carry mode for sure. Yeah. Um but but I'd say that in spending forty eight seconds with him at the, the game and greed on, on Saturday, uh now being a leading expert in Fisher, um, <laughs> I'm convinced that a huge part of his brand is his resting face. His resting face looks exactly like an eighth grader who's stuck in a math problem at an exam. <laughs> and because of that resting face, he people think he's disgruntled or angry. No, he's just he's just here sipping his water, resting. And it looks like he's about to flunk an exam. All right, but to your comment, Lauren, uh, I agree that their styles is uh, their styles are pretty similar in a way that you, they they require a lot of support and and they are out there very aggressive. But their personalities, uh, at least on the outside outside of the game, couldn't be any more different. He actually stirred the pot quite a lot with that um, coat he wore in the meeting. <laughs> did you see that on Reddit? I did. It was amazing. <laughs> you know, even if if it's just a brand, you know the the fact that that was worn at an event <laughs> with 
people with smartphones galore. I mean, that's, that's, you know, Chad level play. Yeah. <laughs> we, we thought that it might be just a coincidence. We gave him the benefit of the doubt with the number, but it's not just a number. Fisher definitely plays up to that kind of stirring the pot drama. I mean, he definitely leaked some things after mm-hmm. uh, weaving the soul dynasty. But for me, his true personality came out when he did leave soul he went on stream and i believe he said that he talked to a lot of people and uh, i'm gonna get this quoted wrong but the general gist of it people were telling him just sit on the bunch and take the paycheck Hmm. and he was just like no i want to go i want to start new i've been burned out and he was really grateful towards like all of his fellow teammates and soul dynasty, like he would pop up in their Twitch streams. He still uh, follows Gen G and soul dynasty, or like you can see them on social media. And it just shows that he's not that character that the overwatch league paints him as always. So I guess it's safe to say that, there are sort of two sides to that coin. I mean, based on what I'm hearing is there's the, the painting of the villain uh, that, you know, has become this personality called Fisher. And then there's the actual uh, Fisher that you've seen, um, I guess, glimpses of over the course of, of his, his career so far. Uh, and I think that actually lines up quite well to what it was we heard from, from Pajon, uh, you know, just this weekend and as well, you know, Alfred Devera should have the same is that Fisher is coming in. I think Alfred had said it with a chip on his shoulder. It was something to prove that he, he can actually be the player that, you know, people say, might exist, but that he can't become anymore. Um, Alfred had shared how he's watching video. He's like one of the first people in one of the last people out. And if, if I'm a villain, if I'm, if I'm coming in for a paycheck, if I'm coming in with baggage galore, I don't think I'm going to be putting in that much effort to simply peace out. That's true. You'd be more like me. Oh, I I totally, (laughs) I mail it in Sam most days. Just collecting those paychecks. The other player is Jayhawk, Rujayhawk. I understand that, you know, there is a, a, a tie to, to, to Jayhawk and his, his decision to come to Vancouver. That might be why you'll be visiting us in July. But what can you tell Vancouver Titans fans about Jayhawk that they may not already know? Or someone like me, who really only became a fan of the competitive Overwatch scene when the Vancouver Titans came to be? This is such an amazing mashup like runaway which is the core of vancouver titans back in apex was run by runner and runner is the one who discovered ru jay hong after jay hong came out of military service so he came out of military service a couple days before the launch of overwatch he would um and there's so many clips of Jay Hong sleeping, a nanode hoxal, Genji blading. <laughs> They've met up so many times on opposite sides of the field. And now it's like the colliding of the apex worlds. You have 
Kangdu Panthera of Fissure. You have Ruje Hong of Lunatic High, and you have Runaway all on one team. We just need an LW Blue member, and it would be perfect. Yeah, we'll take uh, Sabiolbi. Right? <laughs> yeah, it won't, it won't take much to get Sabiolbi in Vancouver, <laughs> not at all. Then we'll have team old guys. Uh, true, true. So what you're saying is that if you're a fan of Apex, you should be a fan of the Titans. Yes. I don't know how many Overwatch League fans have watched tons of Apex because Apex wasn't very well, uh, I don't know, advertised to NA. So if you weren't a big in the Korean esports community, you might not have watched it until later in the seasons with maybe season three or four, right before the Overwatch League. But this is a massive moment. And... I'm just so happy that Jay Hong is with the Titans. Mm-hmm. And it's also interesting to uh, hear when we spoke uh, to them uh, last, uh, you know, meetup, uh, it seems like Haxel is taking, definitely became kind of uh, a mentee of Jay Hong. So they kind of formed a bond as teammates finally after uh, playing so long against each other. So that's uh, reaffirming to hear. <clears throat> Did you guys see uh, Stitch had a Twitch stream going up and he was intoxicated and he made a shrine for Jay Hong and was offering a picture of Jay Hong food and alcohol. Wow. When was this? It was back in the apex days. I'm sure uh, I can find a clip. Yeah. You'll have to find a clip. Cause I need to put that in the show notes. I can't say I've seen that. And like, and I will tell you, I have an internal struggle with stitch. Um, he looks like he's 12. And I know he, prior to Jayong joining, he was actually one of the elder states people uh, on, on the Titans. So the whole offering, you know, alcoholic beverages and such is, just flips my lid. But yeah, if you can find a clip, would love to share it with I definitely listeners. have a clip and I'll send it to you. But the whole team, I think this is just conjecture, but bumper waving must have impacted the team because they were together so much. But with Jay Hong coming in, he can't replace Bumper, but he is that senior member that Haksal, Stitch, Janu, even maybe like Slime and Twilight all knew back in Korea. They played against him when Jay Hong was on Seoul. So maybe it lessened the blow a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, do you think, and, and I think maybe perhaps you being tapped more into to the Apex scene than us, um, with someone of Jay Hong's resume, of someone's Jay Hong's stature, like, does he gain instant respect the moment he walks in that door as as a teammate? And like, what can you try and paint us that picture of what that feels like from from say like a Stitch's perspective or a Hacksaw or or whatever? In the season one. The main coach did an interview and talked about how Jay Hong is like that old, like, brother. Like, the jokes are brother. He comes in, and even though he's older, he doesn't put that out there saying, like, oh, you're younger than me. You should do this. You should do that. Mm-hmm. He's more of that mutual respect friend level. Mm-hmm. And I believe that when he walks in the door, because they have so much history, it's like mm-hmm. a friend that's coming in. Mm-hmm. 
just on that sort of note that you'd raised earlier, you know, Bumper's transition out and, and Fisher and Jay Hong's transition in. Um, one of the things that we learned this weekend was that uh, Jay Hong has actually been uh, uh, rooming up with Haxall. <laughs> and which, you know, it, the, the positioning being that we're putting, you know, one of our elder statesmen, which and Jay Hong is in the grand scheme of things, uh, with competitive Overwatch, uh, you know, trending onto the the grandpa era, uh, even though he's still got the skill. And the thought was is that by having him in the room, he provides stability that the team may have lacked last year. And specifically having him with someone like Hoxall, who is a superior player in the league, that that things can only benefit from that. And and I guess for the, where I'm going with this, and the question I have for you is that there's been much said about the chemistry of the Vancouver Titans being, uh, you know, shaken up that, that Fisher and and RJH coming into this Titans roster just won't work. It's oil and in water hearing what you were saying that it's not actually going to be the case. You actually almost view this as being maybe not equal in equal out, but really not too big of a deal. Yeah. I don't think that this is going to be that much of a shakeup that other people are saying. I was very surprised when I saw some of the power rankings and they had Titans down in like 11th place. (laughs) And I didn't understand because it doesn't seem like Fissure is going to be that different. And also Fissure and Jaehong bring that leadership in too the team i'm not sure did the titans last season have a captain so rumor was it was bumper but that that was more the visible face of the team as to behind the scenes um i believe twilight was the one Mm -hmm. that most uh, felt was likely if not the captain definitely the shot caller because even though Rascal during uh, Kongdu Panthera days was the official captain, Fissure was definitely right there with him. Jay Hong stepped up to be captain after Asuka decided not to join Seoul Dynasty. So the Titans are now going into season three with two quite strong leadership figures. And not just in-game, but out of game two, I know Jay Hong really helped with the player's mental mentality behind the scenes, always making sure that they're not reading the comments, that they are going to bed, that supporting them, listening to them, things that you don't see on screen during the match that are just as important as in game. And I think, Jaehong especially can be a great stabilizing factor for this team. And that, that, that's actually quite in line with what we've heard so far. I mean, it, 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 it hasn't been explicitly said, but reading between the lines last year's Vancouver Titans may have gotten lost in the, the bright lights of Hollywood. And this year it does sound like they're, they're laying a much more, stable foundation to build upon uh, to be able to sort of deal with the peaks and the valleys 
that they're going to experience as as elite players in, in the Overwatch League. Like I, I, you would mention like you've seen some power rankings that have the team down, you know, at eleven, and um, it it just blows my mind that somehow this team, which is functionally only one player different, mm-hmm. is somehow no longer a good team. Like the meta changed twice on the Vancouver Titans last season, and they were still you know, stomping. So it's interesting that, you know, they, again, people fall from grace just because a, a player change. And I mean, I, I get a little bit fired up cause I'm a, I'm a Reinhardt one trick, barely that. And I play it with a, an aggressive gameplay <laughs> that is conducive to what I see out of a, a player like bumper. People will say, Oh, Fisher's aggressive. He needs, you know, support to, to uh, carry, carry him. And I think if there's anything that the Vancouver Titans have been able to prove is that support line can carry just about anyone. And oh. now we added Jehong to that line. I, I mean, it blows my mind that we might even see a Twilight and a Jehong together. That would be amazing. Miro said on stream that like as a main tank, it's hard to adjust to any other support player after you've played with Jehong because he's just so good at making sure that Miro was always alive at those key moments. And I think Jehong can do the same thing for Fissure alongside Twilight. That would that's gonna blow people's minds, I think, when they actually see it on stage. They should bring back goats like three support meta. <laughs> Just with goats. slime Twilight and Rujong. Goats is great. We tried it on the weekend. Oh yeah, we we dominated like so many games in a row. Yeah, in cla- in classic QP, you won <laughs> your smurf. Hey, come on, it was competitive classic QP. Oh, oh, and and actually, we we ran into the real bumper. True, real. Well, uh, well, we're we're still we're still investigating. He oh, said he's the real bumper, so it seems like yeah, a pretty he, legitimate source. And he wrote one thing in Korean in chat, so it, it's right. pretty and, legit. And it, and it was only like a match or two after we played with Drafran. <laughs> Drafan, yeah. Very valid then. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's got free time these days, yeah. so. So, um, one of the other things I wanted to to talk to you about as we have you here uh, joining us is really about sort of the Overwatch League as a whole. Last week, uh, in our, our regular episode, we did our power rankings. And as we say, it was powered by science. What we weren't aware is that it needed to be powered by hero pools because that got announced only like a day after we went live. Hero that's always pools. the way it goes. Yeah, I mean it's we've we've it's part of our podcast lore. If you want breaking news, wait until the day we record and actually ask the question. I think Uncle Jeff listens to our podcast and simply goes live with the news. Same with Pete Vestelica. They all listen to RSP. <laughs> but but hero pools. You know, what are your thoughts? on the introduction of the hero pool, which as a reminder uh, is a week over week change where a tank two damage and one support will be locked out to until they're set free the week following. I will be honest. I've not done tons of research. I read the announcement. I've not looked at it in depth. Um, the one thing that was a little worrying to me was how they decide which heroes get banned. Is it going to be random? Is it going to be based off of playtime numbers? They're because flip it's a coin. Flip <laughs> a coin. Of course. Well, it, it, they, but that's, yeah, you're right. They actually said in the post that it's going to be based off of the previous week's playtime and randomly selected. And that which... seems to be in opposition of each other. 
But if you think of teams, there are going to be teams that are going to be very strong on one hero, really strong on another. And this could have playoff implications and not that Overwatch League would ever decide what heroes will be banned off of teams. But if I look at it as Soul Dynasty perspective, Toby is known as the boop god off of Lucio. Right. If Lucio's banned the week before playoffs is decided and Soul needs to win that one match, they're on Eichenwald on the bridge and Lucio's not there. Time to like, buy out the brig. I did. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that's quite worrying if that's not going to be announced to fans of how these are going to be selected. Well, and that, I think that makes a lot of sense. It, it, what you just said is that there are a lot of concerns. There are things that are still unclear and when something isn't transparent, which based on the data and chosen at random, which are diametrically opposed, you begin to question, uh, you know, is it possible that someone else starts making choices based on the teams that are playing based on, you know, the, the players that might be uh, available based on their response response rate or viewership on, on YouTube or, or wherever like that. There's just whether or not that happens. The last thing you want is a lack of transparency that allows mm-hmm. for those questions to be reasonably asked. Mm-hmm. And I mean, in any sport and any team, the refs always hate your team. Right. So I feel <laughs> like, like with a strategy like this, it's like the refs hate the Titans. The, the, the league wants Titans to fail. The league wants the dynasty to fail. The league wants the dynasty to succeed. How come, how come Lucio's never been banned? And it's always, uh, I don't know, Moira, like, like any, any pick you pick, somebody will think the league's out to get them. Well, that's why we get to do this podcast every week. Complain. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. It gives us a job. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Torb, Torb, he'll always be available. True. <laughs> <laughs> Got to bring Dufran back, or uh, Dufran. Dufran, yeah, yeah. Well, the other thing that uh, also uh, broke uh, last week uh, was the cancellation of the matches in China, and I mean, obviously, the concern for for the health and, and safety of not only Overwatch League players but the fans is, is paramount. So, mm-hmm. as we know, February and March, uh, those matches in China have been cancelled, and whether or not they'll be replayed, rescheduled, or simply played in an, a neutral location or online, that still needs to be addressed. But what impact do you think? the cancellation of these China matches will have on the league this year. I mean, this is supposed to be their showcase season where they be go, they become local. For Seoul, it's really hard because they don't play the first this coming weekend. So all of their matches up to their own personal home stand in March is in China. So it really impacts the Pacific East as most of their homestands that they would be participating in during those two months is in China. Mm-hmm. I think that if they do play it online, they'll have to, I'd have to see them fly the players to Korea and do it in some kind of like similar location to try to deal with ping. But it's such a down 
letdown for the Chinese fans who've been waiting for so long to see their teams in person. Uh, Shanghai Dragons decided to have all their ticketing be in-country for their fans. And if I don't know if they decide to reschedule. When are they going to reschedule it? Is it going to add more travel time for these teams? If they don't, how is that going to work with map differential and fairness? If it's going to be in LAN and some obscure location, where is it going to be? Uh, first report came and it was heavily speculated it's going to be played online. How though? Not really sure. Well, if you if you're on online, so long as you're reasonably close to the the server, ping shouldn't be too significant of an yeah. issue. I know it's not ideal, but if you were going to have a, a replay where you have one team here in North America and the other one in Korea, right? A whole, whole different story. I mean, I, in you know, Lauren, the point that you raised that you know that starts to strike to the the competitive integrity of the league, where simply due to this event, you now have ping at play. I mean, I'll use uh, Fortnite Battle Royale as an example. In many of the online tournaments that are are run, or at least sort of homebrew health, uh, hosted, they'll play a couple of matches where they'll play on the home server of each of the sort of participants. And that's just to, again, ensure that that if ping is an issue, it's sort of equally distributed as ping to, to all the parties. So I, I Maybe that's what they'd have to do with, with Overwatch, but I, it's so speculative right now. I think most of the teams in Pacific East are in Korea right now. At least three of them are. The Charge, Shanghai, and Seoul. I mm. don't... Is the spark there as well? Do I think so. You know? I think it's only the Hunters who yeah. uh, decided to stay in China. Yeah, because they like in their their statement with the Chengdu Hunter statement was kind of weird. It was like right. we're we're monitoring the situation. We've got experts here, and the building's temperature controlled. Right. Well, to be frank, like most of their players are from China, so they would rather stay at home with their families because this mm-hmm. crisis is not just for their job at the Overwatch League, but it probably encapsulates the majority of their life right now. Uh, yeah, it's an unfortunate situation, definitely, especially for the fans. I remember seeing some videos that they uh, shown on Overwatch League from a watch party over at a big mall in Guangzhou, and, and the, the fans were going nuts there. The, the atmosphere would have been amazing. So hopefully uh, this whole issue just, you know, resolved as soon as possible. I was so sad on March 1st. It was supposed to be the Titans versus Seoul Dynasty. Right. And I was looking forward to that match so much because it's on a national holiday for South Korea. It's two South Korean teams playing Jaehong, Fissure against their old team. There's surely going to be fun banter back and forth. And I really hope that that match can still come about in some way. Yeah. So as we uh, wrap up our, our time with you, uh, question that I ask all of our guests uh, when they first join us uh, is, well, a couple of questions. First, uh, what hero, if you were a one-trick in Overwatch, do you choose? Lucio. Uh, Good choice. See, it's not Reinhardt, so it's obviously not (laughs) entirely correct, but I can accept Lucio. He likes hockey. (laughs) And then uh, the other question, uh, favorite video game of all time? Pokemon. 
Does that count? Because it's not like it does. I mean, it, any specific like generation? I Pokemon Blue. Ooh, it's the first close. one. OG. Okay. I know. Red's the right answer. Ah, same game. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, any any last questions on the or or Sam? No, I think I'm good. No, I think just uh, how can how can people connect with you? And uh, I heard I heard from Little Birdie that you're coming here in, to Vancouver in July. So so we're looking forward to that. I am. I'm so excited to go to the Vancouver Homestead. I am sure it's going to be amazing. First time. Yes, in Vancouver. Great, great. Looking well, if, if, you. if you need any tips for your, your travel here to Vancouver, you've got two and a half experts. <laughs> I definitely will let you know if I have any questions. I mean, I'll let you decide who the half is here, but <laughs> definitely have two and a half experts. I hope it snows a little bit in the July so they can remind you of home. I mean, it definitely could. We had snow here in May. <laughs> oh, man. So definitely used to it. If it snows in Vancouver in July, trust me, there's crazier things wrong. Just shut it down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Well, if you are looking to, to find Lauren online, again, she is at Daybok Owl, Daybok O W L. She's also a writer on the Soul Dynasty at the Game House. Uh, thank you for taking time out of your schedule there to, to join us, Lauren, and, and shed some light on uh, the addition of Jay Hong and Fisher with the Vancouver Titans, as well as on on the, the stories that you shared as to the, the history behind them. Uh, if you're up to it, would love to have you back in a, in a future episode. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thanks a lot. So we're going to take a short break before we uh, dive into the fray. You know, that was some pretty good insight that we got from from Lauren there. I I, I quite enjoyed her her perspective when it comes to uh, how the additions of Jay Hong and and Fisher will have in uh, the Vancouver Titans. And it's nice to hear that you know someone who is you know one covering an entirely different team too, looking at the Vancouver Titans from the outside, despite her self professed bias, sees more optimism with the Titans than than others do. Like I am almost getting frustrated that there is so much pessimism from other pundits about the Titans based on what I would say is the same well-trodden excuses. Like I have no problem with the Vancouver Titans themselves won't be able to meet that same bar right, level of expectation that they set. But to continue to say, oh, Fisher's totally going to blow up and Jay Hong is totally washed up and I can't believe they lost Bumper. He's going to come back and he's going to, uh, you know, stomp them on his own, you know, 1v6 or something like that just, you know, blows my mind. So hearing Lauren with that sort of voice of reason calms me down. So uh, we talked a little bit about Hero Pools uh, in the payload. We talked more about Hero Pools uh, with Lauren. But I'm going to ask the two of you this. How long do you think Hero Pools last? And before you answer, the reason, or not even the reason, but part of the reason the Hero Pools were introduced uh, was disclosed by by Jeff Kaplan in the 
development update where they're they're acknowledging that their ability to patch the game as quick as sort of the community and the competitive community want is not possible. So while they are pledging to have faster patches, the introduction of a hero pool will sort of force meta shifts to prevent the the goats meta from you know establishing itself again or whatever the new goats would be. Is this simply the best solution inside of a potentially broken system? Or is there another way that the the league should go about it? I like it more because of the adage of of, uh, faster patches and the way they incorporate the faster patches with those banned hero pools. So in my eyes, it's another step towards the uh, right direction when you're talking about Overwatch League as a spectator sport, esport. And it will definitely bring uh, more, or less, well, no stagnation at all, which is like a mm-hmm. dream come true, at least in my eyes. And I remember we had a lot of conversations when 222 became a thing, and a lot of people were against that. And I think outside of people complaining, uh, and, and there's a lot of truth in their words about how long it takes for you to queue up a DPS uh, competitive game, it's still a major improvement just because you get not only play the role you want, but also see uh, players like Haxal not stuck on Brig anymore. Um, and he was amazing on Brig, don't get me wrong, but obviously even those two minutes that he shredded a team on Anubis were more excited than, exciting than the entire season he spent on, on Brig. Hey, Brig um, is awesome. I'm a fan. Uh, hey, I, all I know <laughs> is, you know, when we were playing this weekend, when Sam was on Brig, uh, every time I needed heals, it was like, Ching, 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 ching. all three like <laughs> yeah, right on for sure on, but into my reinhardt back like. please let the healers play the healer roles right that's what i mean uh in terms of the hero pools i'm looking forward to see how it shakes it up I, we don't know there was a lot of a backlash from the pros when they complained about not knowing about this and how hard it's going to make their lives and, and the coaches lives but i've actually seen a clip from a recent stream by super and he said that a lot of pros had a Q&A session that went on for like half an hour with the Overwatch team. And everybody was uh, coming off of that Q&A session much, much happier. And it seems like uh, they've discussed their long-term strategy with the players. And it seems like everybody is, is now more aligned with the vision that Blizzard has. Because Blizzard always had the this uh, notion or idea of, of uh, about what Overwatch needs to be, which is this counter-picking, uh, character-switching fight um, to to get that point, to push the payload. It was never about, like what, what I alluded to in the, in the past, finding the best composition that will break mm-hmm. the system. Overwatch was never meant, the, the devs never dreamed about the fact that, oh, we, we will find out this great meta uh and then may and hanzo and bap is gonna be the best and that's what everybody's gonna play that's not what overwatch is about and i'm excited for this future obviously there'll be a lot of chaos obviously there'll be a lot of difficulties adapting but i i i i know for a fact that there's gonna be a lot it's gonna be a lot more entertaining i'm not sure what the drawbacks will be maybe there will be more burnout especially added on top of the layer of travel we might see players retiring or getting frustrated with the game or or finding themselves out of a roster spot uh but the game itself will become more entertaining 
I think uh, I'm I'm less enthusiastic, but I'm I'm more open minded to to the hero pools than I was with two two two. To be completely honest, I still don't really like two two two. I I still miss the days when we'd see like twilight have to go on tracer because you know it's a last second touch and and Mm -hmm. and then we realize like hey twilight's not half bad on tracer or you know maybe that's a bad example but but things like that that are that are spontaneous go um, back to 76 yeah and then less less like locked in um less on the fly changes because like it's locked in you have to be one of the Mm -hmm. six healers and and uh, like i mean very very far away from the competitive scene in in just general play the fact that when you're in even if it's just quick play and you have end up having two garbage healers who decide they want to go attack mercy and attack moira on you and you get no heals there's absolutely no option for you to like okay well i will support my team yeah right like that that frustrates me at certain i'm talking about very specific scenarios but that frustrates me um but with with hero pool i'm i'm open minded to it i think that where the league is at in terms of its its branding honestly it can't get worse so it can only get better um so so best case scenario hero pools provides all the things that kind of omni talked about and worst case scenario we still get to see something different every week um so from that sense it it's a plus in my head well Enough of hero pools. Let's talk about the games of interest because it's not just the Vancouver Titans that are playing this weekend. There are two homestands, one in New York, one in Dallas. The Vancouver Titans being the the, uh, Dallas homestand. But let's uh, kick off what's going to be starting the Overwatch League season on Saturday, February 8th in New York. You've got the Toronto Defiant taking on the Paris Eternal. You've got the London Spitfire taking on the New York Excelsior. The afternoon matches you've got in Dallas are the Gladiators versus our Vancouver Titans, which we've talked about and the Los Angeles Valiant taking on the Dallas Fuel. We decided to do our games of interest again this season, and both Omni and I want to watch the Eternal Defiant as the match on Saturday that we're going to be watching other than the Titans Glads. Sam, you decided to pick the Spitfire and the Excelsior. Why would you want to watch the Spitfire? I don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. I'm frustrated because I think that... You're starting off the season. Start off with the bang, guys. Like, like bring in playoff teams. Bring in teams with big fan bases already. Like, let New York be the first. Like, they're the home crowd, right? So let New York be the first game. Why are you guys playing them second? Like, I don't know. So, so in an act of defiance, I picked the second team. I am surprised that the San Francisco Shock are not the first team to play but they are the last team to play. And what's weird about this is that they have only one match on an opening weekend where they are your grand final champions. Yet the Vancouver Titans, who were the runner up, get two. Like it, <clears throat> that part is weird. Like it would have been kind of cool to have the Vancouver Titans and the San Francisco Shock play each other. Mm-hmm. Like, would it, would it not, would there not be interest there? Like, okay, fine. If it's not kicking off the season in New York, it's the third match of the day in Dallas. Would that still not be a compelling story to see? Oh, for sure. I'm just not sure how much leeway they had in, in these uh, matchups when you consider all the different movements and, and the travel, uh, obviously the, it would have been better. 
Well, San, San Fran's in Dallas. They're just not playing until Sunday. Right, right. right like, and again, I mean, you're right. There could be more logistical things behind the scenes sure. that we have absolutely no insight into. But it just, sure. I will agree with what sort of Sam was saying. Yeah, the but like, we, do we kind of seem boring. We look at, we look at like Saturday, right? Like I, I totally get the logistics thing, but it's the first game of the season. You're in New York and you have to sit through the defined and eternal before you get to your homeboys playing. Like, uh, think about that for a second. Well, it's not the same team with the Defiant. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they uh, put up. But not if you're a Jonak fan, right? Like, uh, yeah. I, I'm. I prefer to watch good Canadian boys. <laughs> but you guys are coming from Vancouver. You have to think as a New Yorker. True. Well, I'm. I've been spoiled by Twilight. I'm not as as excited by the prospect of seeing Jonak anymore. <laughs> Fair enough. It should be noted that neither, none of us chose the Valiant Fuel as a match that we gave any interest in. So we're going to be out Saturday night uh, uh, early. Um, looking at Sunday, you've got the Spitfire Eternal, the Uprising Excelsior in New York. And then in Dallas, it's the Valiant versus the Titans and the Shock versus the Fuel. Omni and I want to watch the Shock Fuel but Sam, he wants to go and watch those Spitfire again, take on the Eternal <laughs> in New York. Early games, man. I got to get my sleep. <laughs> the, yeah, okay. I just want to comment on the Dallas-San uh, Francisco uh, shock game. I will do a hot take. This game will be much closer than we think. I think it's going to be 3-2 for the shock. Really? You think that's going to be close? Yes. I, I, yes. I chose it because I want to watch the, the shock. Right. Right, like my my choices here had nothing to do with the matchup Toronto Paris. I wanted to see the Defiant, and in this one, it had nothing to do with the matchup. I wanted to see the Shock. Oh, definitely, it's about the Shock. But I think, mm, like, I, I don't think it's going to be close. Hmm. I, I feel actually, it, I, with Doha well, and 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 um, Decay. I think Dallas, just because the shock will be coming in, um, hot. maybe not, not not hot, but they might be underestimating Dallas a bit. I think we all underestimate Dallas. It's a stupid take, but <laughs> that's my gut feeling. I'm just saying it because if it doesn't happen, then I'll be like, okay, well, it's a shock. What do you expect? And if it does happen, I get to look like look a like genius. A king. So, yeah. You, you, will we free Harry Hook? <laughs> we'll see on that. I, I'm going to be on this train the whole season. Free Harry Hook. Hashtag that free sucker. Hook. So uh, this year it's free Harry Hook. Last year it was I hate the Defiant. Yeah, we can do both. <laughs> Um, that's it for matches. That's the other weird thing about the way the homestands will work is that unlike sort of last year where we had like four full days, all sorts of matches. Now we have like a weekend where there's some, um, we talked a little bit about the upcoming schedule with Lauren, but, uh, the league has officially canceled, uh, the matches in China, both through February as well as March what that actually means to the games and matches themselves. We do not know. I would imagine when we publish this episode, two minutes later, the Overwatch League will actually share that news. Uh, we sort of spitballed what might happen when we were talking to Lauren, but if I were forced to to pick, I think, a path, I believe that they're going to simply play on location in Korea. Now, whether those are open matches who knows? I, I I think they'll they'll play in Korea. It seems to be the most logical uh, place to have those matches, yeah. especially if if teams are all finding themselves there. Mm-hmm. But again, 
That's not official. That's just Chris saying, hey, he thinks that's what will happen. It's either this or I don't remember where. I remember reading that it's going to happen online, but I'm not 100% sure. See, the problem about online is the logistically, unless they're on the, in the same region, and even then, you're now reliant on, on service yeah. providers and such. It just, there, there's there's too many unknowns that you're introducing but and it, ultimately impacting the competitive integrity. And I say that with uh, sure. a game that introduces new heroes just before the playoffs. But. Even if it, it is in uh, Korea, how do you bring out a team like Chengdu out of China? Yeah. And that, well, that, that that's the I, can't, I can't answer. Yeah. Like, yep. But I think, I don't think they'll look at an entire lost weekend as it exists right now yeah. and then decide, oh, we're going to go and look to start to reschedule all of these matches in. Like, you know, looking at, at week two, you've got uh, a homestand in Philadelphia and then the canceled one in Shanghai. Yeah. So you have like four matches in Shanghai that now need to be rescheduled. Uh, yes, Chengdu's involved in, in some of those, but the Shanghai dragons have, have found their way to, to Korea. I think the Hangzhou spark have as well. And the Seoul dynasty are the other team. So could, could you not find a venue that those probably those teams could play? So again, that's why I think maybe out of the four matches, maybe we see two of them take place. It just seems logistically easier to deal with. If you can get those, uh, some of those matches out of the way. And I think they are already working on some solutions that will yeah. come. I just don't know. Oh, yet. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm, not, I, I'm not suggesting they're not. To, to add on top of that, like, I hate to be the pessimist, but I don't expect it to change. Like, February, March, it will, it might extend even more than that because these things, like, looking back at some pandemics that were spread, it's not just a two month thing and it could just be a whole season thing. Hopefully, I'm wrong, but. Yeah, it doesn't look great. Yeah, it sucks for for the schedule makers. Sucks for for the people on foot, but it also yeah. sucks for for everybody involved yeah. with the actual you know virus, mm-hmm. right? So right, it sucks it's all a, around. It's a bigger than Overwatch League at this point, and just you know, be safe out there, kids. Wash your hands, and uh, if you see germs, run away. <laughs> definitely. The uh, other Overwatch news uh, came out of the developer update, and uh, not only did you know Uncle Jeff introduce hero pools and sharing the desire to release patches more frequently, um, he did say that we're going to see more quality of life enhancements. Mm. Uh, one of them that was you know shared uh, in greater detail today is something like Maze Wall showing damage. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, stuns now being more consistent. So if you are kind enough to be the recipient of a stun lock, uh, you'll now only go and be stunned for the longest stun available. <laughs> stun better. Uh, and then uh, they also introduced a way to test out new features and new ideas outside of the PTR mm. uh, by introducing an additional tile that will show up in game. I actually really like this idea because like I'll use the PTR as an example. Many of the changes that go live on the PTR we hear about and people talk about, but the people who are installing uh, the PTR version of the game are likely not the people who are going to find ways to prove that something may not work well. Yeah. You need those casual gamers to still have that opportunity. And I think introducing tiles is sort of like the, the in-between where you have PTR that still exists and then you have the experimental tile. Mm-hmm. I think I, I actually see high value there. Plus, and they added the, to the to this entire mm-hmm. uh, experimental thing. Yeah. So, I mean, there's there's value there. Um, so it'll be good to, to see that uh, introduced. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, the, the first uh, hero pool is out on PTR as well. 
totally makes sense that they'd go and uh, lock out <laughs> Hammond. <laughs> yeah. Genji was a weird one though. <laughs> oh man. I, you know, I know that they just randomly picked this and I imagine there's going to be some randomness to the introduction of, of hero pools in March, but it is what it is. We'll, we'll see how the, the Vancouver Titans and pretty much every other team reacts to it uh, in just under a month's time. So as we look to to wrap up our our episode here, um, got some news to share. So uh, we're going to be partnering with our friends out east, a uh, Toronto Defiant podcast called CA Overwatch. You might uh, be able to find them on Twitter at CA Overwatch. Omni, I believe you're going to be joining me, but we're going to be uh, working with them and doing sort of a, a Canadian preview episode. No Sam on that one? Mm. You know, Sam. <laughs> It's Toronto banned in Toronto. I'm not sure they want me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll never know. Sources say, yeah, but uh, this will be on video, so this may be either a good or a bad thing. I mean, you could get an opportunity to see, you know, Chris and, and Omni, or it could be, you know, something you'd rather never do. But either way, we're going to be joining the uh, the guys on CA Overwatch to talk a little bit about the Titans as well as the Defiant. Go from there. Um, I, I won't get into some of the conversation I had, but I can share with you the CA Overwatch guys are more optimistic with the Vancouver Titans than than many others are. And I think that, that again, that sort of bodes well that those from the outside who have a completely different bias than the three of us do can see value in the Vancouver Titans as a pick. So we got that coming up. Uh, I will also be joining uh, Max Sussman on the game show, uh, which you can hear Friday evenings on uh, Sportsnet 6.50 a.m. It is a uh, essentially one-hour uh, show on traditional radio, all about video games. Uh, I joined Max to talk about the Vancouver Titans. It's also released as a podcast, but being that it is radio, it, it gets aired first. So for those of you in Vancouver, uh, it's Friday evening uh, on Sportsnet 6.50 a.m. If you happen to be international, I believe you'll be able to actually find it uh, uh, online or via like an app like TuneIn and that. But feel free to to, to listen to uh, Max and I chat a little bit about the Overwatch League and, and the Vancouver Titans. So we got that going on. And why is all this happening? Well, because as we share this episode, Overwatch League 2020 starts this weekend. And, you know... I would have told someone maybe a week ago, I'm not that excited, man. This is old hat. I'm a pro guys. I'm kind of excited. Hell yeah. Mm -hmm. And actually just, this is breaking news. Well, it'll be old news by the times you guys listen to it, but uh, Jay Hong's Jersey number is actually 41 and not six. Ooh. And uh, Fisher has remained 44. Ooh. See breaking news (laughs) for those of us who are recording live on the Tuesday (laughs) night. Uh, but uh, we are going to wrap up this episode of the Ready, Set, Poem podcast. As always, I ask for you, if you've reached this point, to smash that subscribe button in whatever podcast application you happen to have found us in. If you're listening to us online, you're actually streaming off of ReadySetPone.com, uh, why not go in and subscribe to us in a podcast app? It just makes it a whole lot easier to get these episodes, including bonus episodes which you might miss because again while we publish our regular episodes wednesday at high noon pacific those bonus episodes come out every so often at random times so you don't want to miss out again great interview with alfred great interview with Pajion. uh last season we got to sit down with with harsha uh and then this season we actually look or looking 
to sit down with even more people. So again, resetpwn.com. If you want to actually contribute to the, the podcast, leave us a message, provide some feedback, uh, tell Sam that he needs to pay closer attention to the Toronto Defiant. Mm-hmm. Easiest way to go about that is going to uh, voicelink.fm slash readysetpone. Uh, you can either send a text message, you can leave a voice message there. And if you leave a voice message, I will guarantee you, you'll get to hear yourself on the podcast. So long as what you say is one, uh, something we can actually put on air on a podcast that doesn't require censoring. Just saying. <laughs> but uh, any final words of wisdom uh, or thoughts you'd like to share with all of our listeners there, gentlemen? Three days to go. Sam? And I would just remind everyone that two years ago, Jay Hong was shooting sleep darts at Haxel, and now he's telling Haxel to go to sleep. He might Ooh. be still shooting darts at him. That's big, that's big brain meta right there, man. Mm-hmm. As for me, again, thank you for tuning in. I am stoked, as I said, about this season. I hope you tune in again next week. For those of you who might have stumbled across this podcast uh, based on Reddit, uh, thank you for tuning in. If you happen to be listening to us long time, thank you as well. Uh, Whether you are part of our RSP patronage team or any other listener for that matter, I truly appreciate you tuning in each and every week. It is you who we record for. Uh, It's not the fact that the three of us like the sounds of our own voices. So thank you, thank you, thank you. On behalf of Omni at OmniStrife, myself, Chris at Lightforce, and Sam at another Sam Chan, going to sign this podcast off with those magical two words, catchphrase. Thank you.